Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the second week of our family month. Uh, <laughs> just to remind us again that the theme of this month is being motivated by God's love. And it's got from 1 Corinthians 16, 14. But before we get started, please, we would like to uh, ask our ministerial overseer, Pastor Chuk Cesar, to open us in prayer. Pastor Chuk, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Shall we buy our hands for prayer? In Jesus' name. Amen. Our precious Father, we thank you again for another opportunity to come together. Father, to continue with our discussion for this family month. Thank you for what you have done so far. And thank you for what you are yet to do. Because Father, we know that your spirit will continue to guide us. Your spirit will continue to direct us. Thank you for what you have packaged today to discuss. And thank you for your children, Father, that you use today. Father, we pray for wisdom, for knowledge, for understanding. Father, they are prepared and they need help for, to give out everything, Father, they have prepared so that your children will be blessed. Thank you for as many as you'll be zooming in Father, for this uh, program. Lord, we pray that everyone that is here today, that has Zoomed in today, Father, will not leave here the same. But everything we are going to discuss today, Father, will bring you glory and will bring blessing to your children. Our families, Father, will continue to love and begin to cherish each other, begin to understand each other. Father, we thank you. We we'll give you all the praise, Lord. Bless every that name, Father, and to you be all the glory. Thank you for guiding us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Like I said, welcome, welcome, welcome. On behalf of the Family Forum uh, Ministry, I would like to, my name is Uche Nwobu. I'd like to welcome you to the second week of the Family Month. And to remind us again of the theme for the month is um, being motivated by God's love. Is being motivated by God's love from 1 Corinthians 16, 14. And today's topic, which I'm sure will bless all of us, is we're dealing today with healthy boundaries of love. Healthy boundaries of love. We have some prolific speakers. And before we get started, I would like to just you know, highlight a couple of housekeeping again. Um, we will let the speaker speak. At the end of the whole um, presentation, we'll throw it open to the audience. And for the, anybody in the audience that wants to contribute or ask questions, please use the reaction button, the buttons on the bottom, and just raise your hand, and I promise you, you'll be acknowledged. Okay, now our, let me introduce our speakers. We have uh, the first person to speak will be Dr. Chibu Zermanari, followed by our own Auntie Meg Okoli and our young and upcoming evangel Hayakoha. So without much ado, I'll hand over to uh, Dr. Chibuzer Emanari. Please take Thank over. You. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, so as Dr. Uche has um, mentioned, 
Um, the theme, the overarching theme for this month's, uh, this family month is being motivated by God's love. When someone is motivated by love, it causes them to act. You know, if I love my wife, I do things that, um, that communicate that love to her. If I love my children, I spend time with them. I do things that communicate that, that love. Um, and so on with, with other people, you know, loved ones, friends, family. But it is wise that your actions be tempered with creating healthy boundaries, creating healthy boundaries. And this is the topic of uh, our discussion tonight, creating healthy boundaries of love. So creating healthy boundaries, um, it is empowering. It helps you to enjoy healthy relationships. It protects your own self-esteem, maintains your, your self-respect. Unhealthy boundaries or the lack of boundaries can cause emotional pain. And this emotional pain can lead to um, psychological dependency, depending on other people to, to tell you how to think, how to feel. Um, it can lead to depression, anxiety, and even stress-induced uh, physical illnesses. Someone who lacks boundaries is a person who allows anyone or anything to enter uh, um, their circle, enter their home, you know, uh, affect their thoughts, the way they feel about things. Someone who has too rigid uh, of boundaries, no one gets in and you can't get out. Um, you don't allow yourself to experience intimacy with others. You know, if I am too rigid in my, in my uh, setting of boundaries when it comes to relating with other people, um, um, I can't really experience uh, the love of those who are close to me. You know, so you wanna have that um, fine balance, the spirit-led balance. So I wanna start off by talking about um, what are boundaries, you know, from more of a general perspective. And then as we go further in our discussion, um, as Auntie Meg uh, speaks, um, we'll dive into, into more deeper aspects of healthy boundaries and um, how it applies, especially within the family. So generally speaking, <clears throat> the Merriam-Webster defines boundaries as something that indicates or fixes a limit or extent something that indicates or fixes a limit or extent. So an example of this would be a no trespassing sign. You see a no trespassing sign on a fence and it's very clear, um, sends a clear message not to violate that boundary or you possibly may face uh, the consequences. <clears throat> now, I use the example of a sign. You know, signs are easily seen. Personal boundaries, on the, other hand, on the other hand, can be harder to define. Um, they can change and they are unique to each person. Personal boundaries determine the amount of physical and emotional space you allow between yourself and other people. 
Um, it helps you to decide what type of communication, what type of uh, interactions, what type of behaviors you deem acceptable. Now, a very, very important point, a very important point is that one must understand their value. One must understand their value. When you value something, you protect it. If you don't value something, others will come and tamper with it. You know, um, we know what the scripture says <clears throat> about us, you know, um, for those who are in Christ, you, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. You know, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, so um, if you understand that, you get revelation about that. You protect your physical body, you know. Um, and then again, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible teaches us to guard our heart. You know, for out of it come the issues of life. You guard your heart. And so you see from that, um, you don't allow what discussions other people are having to come and affect what moral values, what spiritual stance that you have in your heart. Um, a third example would be if you look at the, the book of Nehemiah in general. Nehemiah was someone who valued the city of Jerusalem. He valued it. So even though he came out of, out of Persia with just the, the remnants, the remnants of Israel, um, he still went and rebuilt the wall. You know, the point is you protect what you value, you know, and if you understand your value, if you see yourself um, the way Christ sees you, then you will learn the importance of setting up these uh, boundaries. So <clears throat> physical boundaries, I'm gonna talk about physical boundaries and then I will shift to more psychological, emotional, mental uh, boundaries. Physical boundaries include your personal space, um, physical touch. Uh, an example of this is seen in the book of John, chapter 20, and I'll read from verse 15 to 17. It says, <clears throat> Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold me, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. You see that? Do not hold on to me, do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Um, this is a small example of, of setting physical boundaries. You know, other examples of, uh, of, of boundaries, um, or rather, excuse me, of uh, violation of boundaries. Um, a violation of personal boundary would be someone going through your personal items, you know, your purse, your wallet, um, going through your emails, you know, checking your phone for text messages. You know, that's a violation of uh, personal boundaries. 
Um, say that you meet someone for the first time and the person is very um, uh, touchy-feely, you know? First time you meet them, they give you a hug and a kiss, you know? Um, for them, it may seem, maybe it's their culture. For them, it may seem normal, no problem. But to you, that's a violation of your personal space. It's a violation of your physical boundaries. Um, a similar example would be somebody who is considered a close talker. You know, when you're in conversation with them, you know, they're coming close to you to talk. Again, from their perspective, it, it is their norm. It's something that they are comfortable with. However, for you, it may come across as a as a violation of your personal space, a violation of that uh, um, physical boundary. Um, <clears throat> another one would be not allowing others their personal space. Uh, for example, you know, just simply barging into someone's room, you know, without knocking. Um, this, I would think, is a fairly common issue um, within the family. You know, say that you have young ones, little children, and um, they come into their parents' room, you know, without knocking. You know, who knows, maybe the parent is changing their clothes or uh, maybe the parents are being intimate. Um, that would be, that would certainly be a violation of physical boundary, you know, that, that they did not knock on the door. It also works uh, in the opposite direction. You know, a parent of a teenager um, opens the door without knocking. Now, um, what I had in mind with this is, you know, as a young person is growing up, as the teenager is getting older, um, they are developing and maturity. And as they're developing maturity, they develop this sense of um, self-respect and, and um, feel that there's a certain level of privacy that's afforded them. You know, maybe if I'm if I'm knocking on my children's not excuse me not knocking if I enter my children's door, there's no problem with that. You know, uh, they're four years old, through two years old. But if you have a teenager who's older, and you just barge in, they may not say anything, but within their hearts they may feel like, um, you know, my privacy was invaded. You know, so these are these are examples of. Um, physical boundaries, physical boundaries. Um, next, I want to talk about psychological or social boundaries. And this kind of, um, it's a little more complex. This can include your personal moral code um, or spiritual stance or spiritual values. Um, so for example, if I have a certain stance that uh, I don't drink alcohol. Let's say that, for example. Then um, to my close friends, you know, I'll make it known that that's not something that I wish to do. If, but if all of us go to a party, you know, and one of my friends comes and hands me a beer, knowing my stance on it, in a way, that's kind of a, a, of a, of a violation of that psychological boundary. It's kind of trying to push me 
off of my stance, off of the, the moral code that I hold, you know. Um, another example of a psychological or social boundary would be your personal feelings and thoughts uh, on an issue or subject. So, um, you know, as I'm sure all of us are aware, you know, the society is becoming more and more, um, um, how would I say, touchy-feely about certain issues. Um, so say that I have a stance on gay marriage. You know, I, I personally believe that marriage should be between a man and a woman. Um, an attack or a violation of that psychological boundary will be others coming to attack my stance, not respecting my stance, not respecting, you know, how I feel about something, just as I respect them about how they feel, but rather belittling or, or trying to put me down. That is a violation of um, a psychological boundary, you know. And so looking from that perspective, particularly kind of from that example, um, it, is, it is wise to know who to share your feelings and thoughts with. It is wise to know when, when is the proper time to do so. You don't go about uh, um, speaking your thoughts or even ideas to any and everyone, you know, um, because uh, people may invalidate you. People may belittle your ideas and try to kill your confidence. You know, um, I'm talking about psychological, social boundaries. Um, Jesus Christ, he set these boundaries as well. If we look again in the book of John, chapter 2, I'll read from verse 23 to verse 25. And it says, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name after seeing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus did not entrust himself to them. You see that? Because he knew all people and he did not need anyone to testify concerning human nature. For he himself knew what was in man. You know, it says Jesus did not entrust himself to them. Jesus Christ loved all mankind. Jesus Christ was motivated by love to give his time, to, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to preach the gospel, and ultimately to die on the cross for man. He loved man. But you see here, he did not entrust himself to them. What is this talking about? Jesus did not leave himself spiritually or, or emotionally vulnerable to them because he understood their nature. You know, mankind's nature can be very uh, superficial. You know, they'll love you one day, hate you the next. You know, praise you and then berate you. You know, so, and you see that in, in today's society, especially with pop stars, whether you're a movie star, you're a singer, and you have people, you have these, these people who are in the limelight, but they, they feed their themselves, their, 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 um, their self-esteem based on their fans. And if their fans start to, to 
put them down, a lot of times these people who are in the limelight can fall into depression. Why? Because they entrusted themselves to the fans, you know. Um, another example would be in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. It says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus' spiritual stance was on the will of God all the time, and it never shifted. His stance, you know, I talked about what, what psychological barriers were, and one of them being your spiritual uh, uh, stance. His spiritual stance was on the will of God. You know, his, 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 his focus was always on the Father, always on the Father. So now, Peter approaches him from an earthly, a carnal standpoint. You know, most people, if you're looking at it from the natural beat, would say, well, Peter wasn't saying anything. You know, he was, in fact, he was speaking out of love. You know, but Jesus was direct and clear with his boundaries even with a close friend, even with that of Peter, you know? He said, get behind me, you know, you're, you're an offense to me. You're not mindful of what my father is doing. You're mindful of what men are thinking, what people are thinking, you know? Um, so let this be a, uh, an example to us. It's an example, it, it's, it's teaching me, you know, how um, we as believers, can maintain our stance, especially spiritually, upon, on spiritual things, you know. Um, so now we are going to advance uh, into the topic of um, why we allow boundary violation. And we're going to have our illustrious Auntie Meg Okoli to uh, um, talk with us about that. Thank you. Go ahead, Auntie Meg. Sorry. Yeah. I've omitted myself, so. And okay. it's showing, so. Okay. Praise God, everyone. Right. Happy Family Month. Okay, I'm going to continue from where Dr. Mobu stopped. And uh, first of all, I'm going to... um. You know, for the benefit of those that just joined, the team is motivated by love. And our topic is healthy boundaries in love. And um, he already defined the um, definition of boundaries, but in a simple format, you know, I'm going to say that it's an appropriate uh, behavior in our relationships, behavior that keeps both parties safe. So the question, as um, Dr. Chivosa um, said, why do we allow boundary violation? You know, I would say that the reason why we allow it is because, you know, it's so many things why we allow it. One of them being, you know, um, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of confrontation, guilt, you know, um, maybe we are not taught while we are growing up or when we are getting married, we are not taught 
respect for elders, you know, not knowing how to separate your feelings from another person's and allowing his or her mood to dictate your level of happiness and sadness. You know, and in reverse, you know, I would say that you would turn around to blame others for your problems, not taking responsibility, you know, sacrificing your plans, dreams, and the goals in order to please others. Good and nice, you know. Our nature as Christians, sometimes it's okay to sacrifice, but when it's going to affect your happiness, your well-being, your joy, hmm, when you feel angered, you know, sometimes, you know, you are murmuring, you know, complaining, hello, it's time to wake up. And what is that wake up call telling you to, you know, set up your boundaries and you have to set it in love? You know, you have to listen, to, you know, listen to yourself Determine what you need to say first yes, and communicate you know, it. You are murmuring, you know, complaining, the to And what is that look up call telling you to, you know, set up your boundaries and you have to set it in large? You know, you have to listen, you know, listen. Something is that right? Okay. Okay. Now I have to, um, some of the ways actually. Some of the ways that, you know, we protect and maintain healthy boundaries, I have to say, is number one, you have to understand your body, you understand your body better than anyone else. So if you are experiencing distress, you know, a boundary is likely being crossed. And you understand your body better than anyone else because your body, you are unique. And your body is unique, is different from any other person based on your comfort level and with your various situations. So telling you to set up a healthy, that body is telling you to set up a healthy boundaries. Setting healthy boundaries is crucial, you know, in our relationship, it's crucial for your self-care and positive relationships. You know, boundaries need to exist in relationship for love to be true, for love to be genuine and purely motivated. You know, do you know that some people feel you know, they're able to read people's mind, people around them, instead of communicating directly about boundaries, many assume that boundaries are unloving, defense intended to create distance rather than relationship. In reality, boundaries are not keeping others out as in keeping yourself in. If a, if a partner or people around you is left without discussing these boundaries, you know, they can continue to do something that you're not comfortable with, you know, something that will make you resentful without even knowing or register that their behavior is what is causing you, you know, to be unhappy. Healthy boundaries allow you to have high self-esteem, shares personal information. Healthy boundaries allows you, you know, to have a sharing and trusting relationships, protect physical and emotional space from intrusion, have an equal partnership where responsibility and power are shared. It separates your needs, thoughts, feelings, and desire from others. Recognizing that, you know, recognizing that boundaries are important. You know, the boundaries are important because it empowers you to make healthy choices and take responsibility for yourself. And I cited um, Matthew 5.37, hold on, Matthew 
Okay, Matthew 5.37 and James 5.12 that says, let your yes, let your yes be yes. And then why is it important for your yes to be yes? You have to answer that. You know, you know that your yes has to be yes because it means we are authentic. We are truthful and we are people of integrity who live what they say. And we are fully honest about what we say. And James also says in James 5.12, it says, let your yes mean yes and let your no mean no. And what is he saying? Let yourself mean yes and let your no mean no. This is to say that when it comes to telling the truth, we shouldn't need anything else except our word. Let your yes mean yes and let your no mean no. That is it. When he says, when you say yes, let, it should mean yes. And when you say no, it should mean no. Remember, this is your body. And only you can tell what you are feeling in your body. You have to be clear about your boundaries. The most, the most basic boundaries, boundary setting word is no. People with poor boundaries find it difficult to say no to certain demands. And we have to always understand that it's you that is feeling that problem, not any other person. So you know where it hurts. He who wears shoes know where it hurts. And also in Proverbs, Proverbs 25, one second. Proverbs 25:17. Let your food be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest have his fear of you and hate you. This can be, this can be. This can't get any more clear. If you think showing up at your neighbor's house unconsigned, uninvited is your right as a member of a Christian community, the Bible says otherwise. It actually implies that you over that you over that if you oversteps your boundary, your if you oversteps your neighbor's boundaries, then he will hate you and it will be your fault. You will eventually ruin that the relationship. That's a clear example of living healthy boundaries. You know, setting boundaries can save your relationship. And how setting boundaries can save your relationship, you know, it means that if you, you know, setting boundaries can, you know, setting boundaries can, hold on. Okay. First of all, you have to know and understand what boundary means. Your, if you set a boundary without knowing the meaning of the boundary you are setting, that means you didn't set no boundary. Before setting boundaries, you must acknowledge why they are important for you. Unhealthy boundaries are characterized by feeling responsibility for other people's happiness, inability to say no for fear of rejection and abandonment. Weak sense of your own identity allows others to make decisions for you. Mm, I want to also, um, hold on, you know, I want you to know that boundaries are not, in, that boundaries are integral part of healthy relationships because they help to maintain balance between you and your partner, between you and your children, between you and the ministry that you belong, between you and your environment, etc. They also help to uh, minimize conflict. They also help to minimize conflict because they establish a precedent for what you both expect from each other. What you expect from church members, what you expect from your children, 
if you want peace in every relationship that you find yourself involved with, you must set a precedent and you must maintain it. Having boundary can actually bring you closer to your partner and everyone around you because they are set through open communication. First of all, you have to be honest about what you need. Communicating transparently is an important part of every healthy relationship. When discussing boundaries with your partner, being honest about what you are comfortable with and what you are not comfortable with, and what you are not comfortable with will help your partner to understand what you are talking about. You know, you listen to what your partner needs. Since you expect, you know, your partner to honor your boundaries, you must also listen to their needs as well. Relationships are two-way, you know, streets. So you will need to listen to the boundaries they want to set and discuss them as well. Remember that in a relationship, you shouldn't be, you should be able to say anything, but I what where you say it actually is what matters. It's not about what you say. You have to designate time. You need space. You need space in your relationship. Sometimes people feel that if you are, you know, if you are spending too much, a lot of time together, be sure to communicate with each other about when you need time alone. It's just important as it is at setting time for yourself. Okay. I also cited um, Galatians, Galatians um, 5.13, Galatians 5.13, which says, NLT, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I also cited um, Songs of Solomon, which says, NLT, promise me, O woman of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until time is right. You know, I also cited um, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for limited time that you may devote time to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So why did I bring this up? Because sometimes, you know, you feel that, you know, having time alone, you know, maybe your spouse is discussing you or maybe there's something your spouse is hiding from you. No. Sometimes it could be for your own benefit. So it's always good to have time for yourself because say for instance, like in families, maybe your in-laws are complaining one thing or the other about you and your husband or your wife needed time alone to discuss with them, you know, or maybe at work, there's an issue with your husband or, or your wife, you know, you wanted to discuss it amicably without your wife or your husband being there, because we are not all in the same level. Maybe if they listen to you trying to make peace, they'll be like, why did you answer this? Or why did you say that? You should have said it this way. But if you allow that person time alone to deal with that, I think it's much, much, much better than trying to do what? Encroach in every little conversation, you know, your partner is having. You know, healthy relationship includes respect from both sides 
for the young, for the, you know, for adults also, the best way to communicate your boundaries with your family, with your partner, is with compassion, understanding, respect for everyone's expectations. Having respect for each other and having respect each time you communicate will ultimately make your relationship with people around you healthier and stronger. This includes your children. This includes your, you know, people that you work with. You know, I also cited um, uh, Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You know, also cited Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to know how you ought to answer each person. So this comes with, you know, especially with younger adults, with older adults that we live with in the house. So the way you set your boundaries with them, not looking at their age, is the same way you set your boundary with your partner. You know, don't don't think that they are still young or maybe they are your children. You have to set, even when you set in the boundary, set it with love, with your husband, you set it with love. With your wife, you set it with love. Don't even mind what that person feels about what you have to say because you have to be honest in all that you say because if you don't be honest, they will think, you know, that you are actually that you don't mean what you're saying. And some people manipulate when they think that you're not honest about what you're saying. So when you're dealing with young adults, you know, you have to be respectful. When you're dealing with your spouse, you have to be respectful also because you don't take their weaknesses as they are, as you know, a tool to disrespect that person. You have to communicate with them in love. Because this is you, if that is bothering you and you're not comfortable with what is going on, the way you say it and the way you communicate with them, you know, matters a lot. Healthy boundaries are great for relationship. But remember, the street goes both ways. Both partners, we need to be willing to recognize and honor the other person's boundary. Boundaries in relationship are designed to do what? To strengthen your bond, not to damage it, you know. Um, let me see. If we look at some of the examples how boundary can protect your relationship, you know, healthy for healthy relationship, a lot of times when people hear word boundaries, you know, they have images, a wall or another barrier, another barrier that they put up between them, between them, between yourself and your partner. No. People assume boundaries to be, people assume boundaries to be negative aspect of relationship. Mm -mm. Something that a partner uses to shut you out. But Esper says, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, um, another is unhealthy in-laws. Mm. Unhealthy in-laws. If you have a great, if you have a great relationship with your extended family, then it's amazing. However, establishing a strong boundaries as a, as a new uh, family is very, very important. Determining from your family, you know, differentiating from your family of origin, unfortunately, many parents don't understand the leave and cleave discussed in Genesis. You know, parents overstepping boundaries. 
can put serious tension stress on your spouse example parent overstepping examples of parents overstepping boundaries you know are things like constant communication when you have asked for space inappropriate questions regarding topics like finances or sex life if you don't put clear boundaries you know if you don't if you don't put clear boundaries you know in this kind of situation you know it can lead to a serious conflict in your marriage you know and in your relationship with people around you setting boundaries with family isn't unloving it's biblical boundaries help all to take responsibility for your own individual um another example when you when we set clear boundaries when we set clear boundaries and healthy boundaries we avoid unnecessary pain stress misunderstanding and a life subject to self-control and desires boundaries allow all individuals to develop and express their own identity and have the room to freely grow and thrive we show respect humility and love for each other when we respect others people personal boundaries whether they are old young we should embrace and respect boundaries including when god sets boundaries for us especially he sets his own boundary in love so we have to maintain it healthy boundaries healthy boundaries protect us from spiritual physical and mental emotional harm limiting harm limiting us from harm you know that can cause some damages that we don't even you know expect when we don't set these boundaries when we respect people boundaries you know we show self-control and avoid hurting them personal boundaries defined as identity and absolutely essential for healthy and successful relationship you know um in my closing remark i pray that this information about boundaries have been blessing and in inspiration to you today psychology today puts it like this the whole point of having boundaries is so that you can contain yourselves within the parameters where parameters of where i stop and others begin it's really not about keeping others out as much as keeping yourself in you know you can choose to think about boundaries as barricade and you know fortification keeping others out and maybe keeping yourself in however a better way to think about boundaries about healthy boundaries is to geographic marks like state lines i'm just giving an example a state line that doesn't keep other other states out that would be that would be silly to tell you know california you are rude for keeping nevada out it's easy to recognize that that as a silly you know notion so when you set boundaries just remember that boundaries are not to keep anybody out but it's for you to you know enjoy whatever you know relationship that is going on in your life at that time relationships with your children with your you know co-workers you know where you know um your ministries and with your spouse many christians actually seem to have adopted the idea now boundaries are inherently negative somehow christianity has come to define love as having as having you know no boundaries if someone asks you for your shirt 
you give it to them. If someone you know, slaps you on one cheek, then you should offer the other cheek. Hmm. Do verses like this make you, you know, that make you not to stand for yourself? Or having boundaries is sinful. A careful holistic reading of scripture reveals that why there will be no there will be moments when Christians need to sacrifice and let things go. That doesn't mean that Christians can't or can't or shouldn't live with boundaries. In fact, boundaries are taught to discuss in the in the Bible a lot. Even Jesus had his own boundary, his own personal boundaries. Why many Christians are quick to point verses about love, sacrifice, and being selfless in defense of their boundless lives. By, by so doing, you know, they skip over all heaps of verses that teach Christians to practice discernment when it comes to their personal life. You know, Proverbs 526, you know, I mentioned because of time, you know, 26, 4, you have to read it. Answer not a fool according to his folly. You know, you can finish that up. You know, anyone who talks about, who talks to you or approaches you, approaches you, why, you know, it's good to be aware that God can, you know, just understand that God can send anybody to you at any point in time, you know, anywhere, somewhere you can meet anybody, but that doesn't mean you have an obligation to engage anyone you meet. However, you have, you know, you have to know how to set boundaries in Christian cutting. So I don't know if I have much time, but if you have to set boundaries in Christian, I'm um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, I know you have a lot to say about this, and fantastic. Thank you so much. We're keeping to time so far, so I'm going to invite uh, Evangela Yakoha to give us a perspective um, that we I don't think we've all touched so far. You know, from a younger dog. Uh, Evangel, over to you. Good evening, Fountain of the Living Word Church family. Um, today I'm going to be talking about healthy boundaries of love, what young adults and children want from parents. So um, as I thought about this subject, you know, the first thing that came to mind is understand that each person is unique. So um, understand that each child that God gave you is unique. God made each person with their own personality. So your child, this one specific child is not like the other one, nor is that person like uh, maybe your coworker, the, 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 the boy at your job. That's very, very awesome. Um, each person has their own God-given personality. So we're all different. And because of that, it's important for us to get to know each person for who they are. And even right from birth, uh, you see personality. Like <clears throat> my nieces and nephew, I could already see their personalities. Personality is a beautiful thing and it's God-given. So getting to know somebody for who they are and really observe and pay attention to them, it's not something that even stops. As, as time goes, you still need to continue to learn a person and understand them for who they are. That way you know how to relate with them. And um, for example, some people, may like their space you may have a child that doesn't want you to they want you to knock on their door before you come in their room and maybe it's like you know it's usually like a grown-up or a young adult they might want you to knock on the door before you come in their room they don't want you to barge in um and then you may have one that is just outspoken very much of a people person likes to be around people all the time and very close with people and stuff like that so because people are so different not too 
no two people are exactly alike, it's important to really pay attention to each person and to get to know them for who they are. And, uh, you know, you need to know what annoys this person. What does this person like? And uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse four said, and like our auntie Meg said, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So children, youth, young adults, we need um, training. We need correction. We need um, teaching. We need the wisdom of the people that have gone before us. But what this is saying here is that there's a possibility of actually provoking them to wrath. It's a possibility of actually making them maybe now push back and which is not good for either parties because now that youth or young adults is not going to be getting the wisdom that they need from you. So it's actually an attack of the enemy that is actually gives room for the enemy to come in and put in space. And um, Colossians chapter three, verse 21 said, fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So you um the, the point here is that it's better to relate, it's better to connect rather than um, provoke and just understand each person for who they are. Each person, each individual is different. Uh, the second point I wanna say is understand what the will of God is. So um, parents, we thank God for parents. You guys are awesome. Um, parents are custodians who God handed over the care of the person he created. So God created each child and he handed them over to you because he, he thought, you know what? These people, they're going to be able to take care of this child well. They're going to be able to help me, partner up with me, not help me, partner up with me to produce out of this person what I want them to be, who I want them to be. Now, that being said, it's important um, to seek God for his will for that child. Be led by the spirit and not your own opinion. Um, for example, you know, you don't want to convince a you don't want to force somebody that god wants to be maybe the president in 20 years you don't want to force that person to become an engineer the same way you don't want to you can't force a bird to swim you the bird needs to fly so uh when you force somebody to be who they're not or to do what they're not meant to do the genius that god deposited in that person won't find expression it's actually a cage rather than finding expression so it's important in raising us or I mean I'm already raised but I guess I'm still being raised but in raising children <laughs> in raising children it's important to be led by the spirit of God what has God been telling you about this child what has and it's going to lead to my third point but what has God been telling you about this child who are they meant to be not your own opinion not the doctor you want them to be or the lawyer you know the 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 most common things which are awesome and we need them in society but you need to be led and understand what does God want for this person. Um, and the same way also pay attention, paying attention to them is very important because especially in the culture we live in, in the community, society we live in, there's a lot of pressure out there for them. There's so much pressure that youth, children, young adults are going through. It's actually getting worse and worse. And um, so you you don't want to them to come home and then they come home to a lot of a lot of conflict again a lot of pressure a lot of uh why didn't you do this why you know a lot of arguments and stuff like that which tends to push people away rather than make them want to listen and connect and hear the awesome wisdom that you have for them so paying attention 
finding out what's going on with this child right now. Is he being bullied at, at school? He may be getting bullied because he has an African accent. He may be getting bullied because, um, I mean, he, because he's a Christian. All sorts of different things, pressures, but at home should be a place where, um, where there's love and there's peace. The last thing I would say is really just, you know, prayer. You need the the youth, children, young adult. We need your prayer. Uh, the Holy Spirit will tell you what's needed for each specific person. Would advise you on how to go about um, raising each specific child. Like we talked, like we said, each person is completely different, and only God really knows what this person needs at this moment in time. So, we uh, we want prayer as well. Amen. Awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. I wish I could say put your hands together for all the speakers this evening, but I'm I'm gonna just leave it at awesome. Right. I'm gonna throw it open um to the audience. Uh, you know, if you have, like I said earlier, if you have any questions, please use the reaction button and raise your hand and I will acknowledge you. But while I'm doing that, you know, while I'm waiting for people to join, I have a question. And I think Sister Meg, you know, it's kind of interesting that you started to talk about it and I stopped you short. So I'm going to ask you the question now is, you know, how do you actually set healthy boundaries during this one kind of, you know, merges both the adults and the young ones and how, the, you know, in a Christian society, in a Christian courting, how do you set healthy boundaries? Why, remember, if you want to talk, please raise your hand. Go ahead, Sister Meg. Or mute yourself. Okay. Okay. I will say that, you know, for you to set up um boundaries as um a Christian, you know, or, you know, cutting, let me just say um Christ, uh, boundaries in Christian cutting, you know, first of all, number one thing is, you know, I know my boundaries beforehand. So that means two of you need to discuss your boundaries beforehand i know your boundary and you know my boundary so we don't two of us has to you know we have to try to work it together to make sure that we maintain each other's boundaries so it's something that you need to you know set ahead before even the i do time you know number two is to talk about physical boundaries early in your relationship so you that's number one thing what i like or what i feel comfortable with what I don't feel comfortable with, it needs to be discussed ahead of time. You know, you have to stay emotionally independent at first. Because some people are so like, they want to be, you know, um, empathized or sympathized with. You have to stay emotionally independent because you people are not, let me just say for those that are still cutting, you are not married yet. So that things you have to, you know, that this is this one actually this number three applies to that particular people that are not yet married stay emotionally independent at first number five is to help each other to stay accountable number five is to stay clear of tempting situations you know which we all know you know if you are still caught in and for example you happen to stay you know in a close you know setting where it's just two of you. Maintain your integrity and don't cause the other person to violate the boundaries of, you know, Christian, you know, life. 
I would say. So number six is to practice modesty around your partner. You know, you have to practice modesty, meaning carry yourself the way a Christian child is supposed to carry his or herself, you know. So that's what I would say about that. So you have to live, love, laugh, and trust God to help you as you do Awesome, so. awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Before um um okay, I acknowledge your handbook. Give me one second, please. You know, um, first Corinthians 8 13 says in New Living Translation. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. How you know uh, I want the panel to think about this. How do you reconcile this with somebody you know, violating your boundary? This First Corinthians eight thirteen. Elder Keke, go ahead. Why do they think? Unmute yourself. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can hear me now. Yes, sir. Can, yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I don't know which of them. I think is. Uh... Uh, Dr. Meg, I think she was the person talking about it. Uh, the issue of, uh, especially for younger co couples, uh, but somebody coming to uh, take a look at your your phone or your emails, does that uh, include uh, your husband and wife? I mean, is uh, are you not supposed to be open to each other, and your wife can have access to your phone, can have access to everything about you does that encroach upon uh, boundaries does this boundary we're talking about does it give a uh, exception so that uh, your wife can have access to everything that is uh, you would think is uh, is is, uh, is uh, should be of uh, boundary to you I don't know if I make myself clear. Uh, I, I think so, sir. I think you're, I think you're very clear. I think the question uh, is clear. Yeah, go on, Chibuza. And, um, what, I would, what I would say to that is boundaries are, um, they're not set in stone for every person, for every situation. You know, the boundary that I set between, uh, um, between myself and my coworker is not the same boundary I set between myself and my wife. You know, um, so if my coworker, when I leave my desk, say that I keep my computer open and my email is open. If I find my coworker sitting at my desk reading my email, obviously that's a violation of, of my boundaries. If at home, my, my wife is at the computer and, and um, you know, maybe she sees my email open, I may not feel, and it depends. The way I feel may not be the same as other people, you know, who are who are who are married. Um, the whole point is it's it's dependent on you and your relationship with your wife. If you are comfortable with your wife looking through your phone, then it's perfectly fine. It's not a violation of boundary. But if you have set that boundary and you said my wife, I don't want you looking at my phone. Then if she does that, then yes, she's violating a boundary that you have set. You know, so it's unique to you. It's dependent on what you deem acceptable behavior. Not, not so much what, what is the prevailing uh, uh, 
thought, what what everybody should be accepting of. No, it's it's personal to you. I hope that answers your question. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so anybody have any answer to um Elder KK, did I answer the question or do you, you I have a question? I have a question. Oh, Pastor, please go ahead. Yeah, my question is why should a spouse not want the wife or the husband to look at it? Why is it a healthy thing? Because the Bible says both of you are one. As far as God is concerned, you are one. You know, you become one body. So my question is, is it a healthy thing for somebody to say to the wife, don't look at an email that somebody is sending me, don't look at this. I was, I was, my sister, I wanted to send something to her and then by email, and I said, okay, I don't have your email. He said, oh, brother, me and my husband, we use one. He said, we just use one. I said, I've been sending you things through your husband's email. He said, no, we have one. It's one email both of us share. We don't have to. So my question is, is it a healthy relationship when somebody keeps the spouse out of his life, when God has said, you are one? Isn't one one in everything? Or what God has put together, do we have a right to begin to set a sounder and say, no, you don't look into, who is that one sending me email that your wife or your husband shouldn't read when both of you are one? That's my question. Pastor Chooks, you have your hands up. Your answer. Go ahead, sir. Unmute yourself, Pastor Chooks. Sorry. As, well, let me go ahead and answer. I was going to answer it later. You know, uh, uh, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor just uh, brought out uh, an important point. Uh, husbands and wives. Are not supposed to keep secrets. You know, we talk about their transparency in marriage. And when you begin to hide your email or you know anything, your text messages from your wife or from your spouse, it means that there's something wrong. For example, my, like Pastor said, my wife and I will use the same email. We have the same email. And I remember one time somebody called me. I mean, uh, called my wife on my phone. And I was rushing to, you know, to work. So I left my phone with her and took her phone to work. And it was okay with me and it was okay with her. Because that's transparency. So if you like, if you go through my email, my text, messages and my ethics, you can see anything, you know, that we violate our, you know, relationship. So I think, I think that there has to be trust. There has to be trust in every relationship. And if there's no trust, that's when you begin to hide things. That's my take on it. Hallelujah. Sister Chinga. Okay. Yeah, can I, yeah and I do want to say something here. I don't know if it's a question or a contribution. Regarding what uh, Pastor Chinedu said, 
in a situation where you want to talk to your pastor, for example, Pastor Chinedu and Pastor Dorothy. Now, there's something you may want to talk to Pastor Dorothy and you don't want Pastor Chinedu to know. How do you handle that? In as much as husbands and wives are the same. But I do think that there are situations that might stir up trouble or misunderstanding where we have to be careful too. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying, I, do, I know it happens. There might be something you want to discuss with your pastor. And then if you send an email and both of them are sharing the email, now you're talking to both of them the same time. Women have their peculiar nature. They, might, they are understanding. Excuse me. Their understanding is different from the way men understand issues. So in a situation like that, how do you handle it? Praise God. Okay, Pastor, do you want to answer? Pastor Gina, do you want to answer that? Yeah, or, uh, because uh, I, I was just asking. Go ahead, sir. I was simply asking a question. I said, how does it? I mean, Chinyad is also asking a question. So I've asked a question, she asked a question. I think we should not answer both of us. But I'm saying, how does uh, a husband or a wife set a boundary and say, you don't look into my email or look into my uh, this and that email? That doesn't mean that, that's in my own understanding. To set that boundary is to say, don't ever look into my email and I'm not looking into yours. Because I've said that boundary now. So why are we one? Why are we one? Because it's become a habitual keeping you out of my email. Bettinere is talking about that. Something can happen where you want to talk to your pastor in the course of his duty as your pastor, and you want to ask your, your, your pastor confidential things. That is not a habitual keeping your partner out. It's not in the same class as saying, keeping that boundary and saying, you don't look into my email, don't look into. I think this one is a circumstantial thing that happens. There are, there are unusual things that happen in life, but they are not the normal way of doing things. So when unusual things happen and you want to talk to your pastor, which is instead of talking to people, talk to your pastor. So you can take it to your pastor and your spouse will understand. If he gets to know that you spoke to your pastor, he will understand. Oh yeah, you spoke to pastor, it's okay. You know, so, so for a pastor to discharge his duty that God sent him to pastor you, shepherd over you, God expects you him to be your father, spiritual head. And he gives God account for the souls that God has committed into his hand. So taking something to him, which you think, I need to discuss with him first, maybe to advise me how to deal with my husband or deal with my wife. It's normal in his, in his um, office, as your pastor, if you take it out to somebody else, a different bargain. But what I'm trying to, the way I'm looking at it is that it's not like keeping your spouse out from your email totally and saying, I have set this boundary in this place. So don't look into my email. <laughs> I don't look into your email. You know, so I think that there are two different scenarios. My wife and I, we used to have, <laughs> let nobody laugh at this one. We used to have one email. He said, you get too many mails. It's giving me a headache. 
if we every time I open it, so many, he said, you get so many mails coming to you. I can't go through them, sorting out my own. So, and I went, she did a program for first square women. They were asking her, are you on Facebook? Or she didn't know, <laughs> are you on Facebook? First square said she must have like her own email. They insisted, I made it a rule. So that we had to set up our own email for her because the church insisted on that. Because they said that we Africans are chauvinistic. But we used to share one email. She said, you have too many mess coming. Say, it gives me a headache. Every time I see it, it's all, he said, my, I just want the one I can see only few emails. So we just made one for her. But that, that is not to say that, that, that that's another circumstance where Foursquare office insisted that she must have her own email through which they communicate to her. That is it, it's another circumstance. But, but she has access to my email, access to everything. So to have a habitual blocking is what I'm asking. That I, I say, you, you can't see my phone, I can't see your phone. That's a habitual. But to have, there are certain things that happen, circumstances that come up, which everybody can understand, yeah, that these things happen. Okay, this, this thing you did is also more like a right to do them. That's the way I will, I will look, look at them. There is, in life, we have unusual circumstances that come up. And uh, you have to handle them that way, not just marriage, in life generally. Amen. Sarah B. Think Sarah Baboni. Um, yeah, hold on, Jibuza. I think Sarah has a hand up. You know, I wanted. To, I think they want to contribute to the same question. Okay. Sarah, you there? Going once. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. So, um, yes. Can you hear me, please? Yes. Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Increase your volume. Oh, gosh. What is it? We can hear you. We're hearing you. I don't mean Look. We hear you clearly. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. So what I wanted to say is that I, I don't agree with I don't agree with the uh, point that I don't agree with the point that a, a husband or a wife who sets a limit and say, "Don't look into my phone or don't don't look into my don't check my emails or no don't look into my phone." As sometimes a husband will say to a wife, "Whenever my phone rings, don't pick it up or stuff like that." That I don't agree with. However, I have to say that it depends on the motive. If you have uh, a negative motive, or you know. And just going into your husband or wife's phone to look and see who is calling her or who has been testing her. I think the motive is what makes a difference. If you have that kind of motive, then that means you, you're in a way trying to be in control. And it's, you have to, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go into your wife or your husband's phone just to find something. If your phone is there and it rings and you happen to be there, you pick it up. I do that. But I won't intentionally go into my husband's phone and say, hmm, let's see who has been calling her for him or who has been testing him. So again, that's that part for that part. Another thing that I wanted to also mention it, since we're talking about um, boundaries, is that sometimes you call, it could be a family member, a friend, you know, 
And then whilst you think you're calling them, talking to one person, they have you on a speaker. And when they have you on a speaker, I don't know what their motive is or if that's just a habit. How does that, to me, I feel like it violates uh, boundaries. I mean, you're calling to speak to a person and by the time you realize you're speaking to a number of other people and other people are also chipping into the conversation. What do you think about this? That's just a question. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome question, you know, but I think we can, you know, well, let, let's keep dealing with it and see whether we get to it. Um, Sister Meg, um, go ahead. You have one minute because you're the speaker. Go ahead. Unmute yourself. Actually, um, I was going to say the same thing that um, Sarah said about, you know, the motive of you invading, you know, somebody's phone, because we are, are not all in the same level. So if you are, if you have a clear mind and your husband's phone or your husband's phone rings, I think you should pick it up and just hand it over to him. But if you are, you know, a habitual, you know, sneaker who sneaks and put notes on people's phone every time you want to know what just came in and what you know the person is saying and who's calling and so on and so forth if you have clear mind you shouldn't be thinking that way so if you have not reached to that level where your husband's phone is your phone and your phone is your husband's phone i think that that's when that boundary thing comes in that that's when you set that set type of boundary like listen honey anytime you look into my phone is an argument why don't you just leave my phone alone? We are not all in the same level. So I understand what um, Pastor is saying, that it shouldn't be so. You know, when I was married, it wasn't so. I picked my husband's phone and everything. There was no issues. But what I'm saying is, if you are a habitual troublemaker, where whenever somebody calls, you are picking for it. When you read somebody's phone, you know, um, text messages, you are looking for a different meaning from what is in the phone. You know, there are somebody who fought somebody because the person saved the, the sister's name as my love. That's a fight. So if you were in prognosing in somebody's phone, you wouldn't have even known what they saved that person's name. And you called the person and started insulting the person. Finally, find out that it's the husband's sister and you are not even yet married. That's the cutting. So you just showed yourself, you know, you just open to yourself to what you are and who you are or what you're going to be in the future and that ruined the you know relationship so sometimes it's there by the level you are in so as i said before we are not all in the same level it's supposed to be one phone for everybody but if you are not if you are not yet in that level where you can share such things i think the best thing when that trouble keeps coming i think it's better to set boundaries you know honey awesome awesome, awesome all right obi one minute we're running out of time, so we got to rush it up. Go ahead. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I believe that, uh, you know, the scripture told us that, uh, and they became one flesh. That uh, That is a mystery that we all have to be working on. It's something that we, we weren't born with that revelation. We weren't born with having that... Uh, um, uh, comprehending to that mystery. So when we have to be one flesh, it is not only through sex, you know, you become one flesh, there are some things that you have to start doing, which also includes transparency. If you are not used to letting people into your life, you have to let your spouse into your life. 
you know even i was just i saw a text in the in the in the in the, in the text area somebody was asking is it okay for couples to sit i mean to sleep in different different rooms you know uh, I, I believe that is simply because we haven't gotten that revelation that we are one you know it shouldn't even be a question we're supposed to like homes i mean uh, if you understand that you and your spouse is one so that thing that you can see your spouse can also see it also you know so i i think it it, it is not proper for you to set those kind of boundaries if you say because somebody is not behaving well it's like saying oh because my husband is or my wife is not behaving well i should not give them sense oh because my wife is not behaving well i should not give her attention no whether they are behaving well or not they still have that access you know like bible said that your body is not yours your your privacy is not yours both of you share it you know that's all i have to say praise the lord Thank you, thank you. That question, um, uh, that question I was asked, you know, do the husband and wife have to sleep in separate rooms? Um, I have to do that at one point with my wife because I am a heavy snorer and my wife is a light sleeper. So for me to present my marriage, I have to sleep in a different room. So there are circumstances that present themselves, you know, that will make you do such things, you know. Thankfully, now that has changed. Happy, you're on. You got two, one minute. Hallelujah. Unmute yourself. Sorry, praise the Lord. Um, what I was going to say is, <clears throat> in a Christian marriage, we cannot pick and choose, you know, especially, you know, especially if we consider the Bible as a yastic. However, you know, what Meg said is very crucial. I think the level of maturity you know in some marriages is really a problem some things are crucial some people are really not there yet and they may not be there because of maybe their upbringing some people were brought up to let everything is me 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 i can't share with another person even their siblings probably didn't even have that you know opportunity to see what is going on between siblings so they were not sharing things. So they now get married, it's almost the same. So the Bible can't even get it, get them out of it. So unfortunately, what that does is it creates this problem with trust, you know, because the other person may not know that this is how this person is. There are some things Bible cannot cure. If somebody is a miser, the person is probably going to do it. There's nothing anybody can do. But that level of maturity, the person always believed that this is who I am. I'm going to, my, my phone is my phone, my TV, everything is mine. So you have yours, do me, I do you, just do my own, I'll do my own. And that problem, you know, creates lack of trust. And when there's lack of trust, somebody may lock in. Maybe let's say the wife may just say, what are you hiding? Or the husband may think that somebody is hiding something. And that's when the problem starts. It becomes a sequel. All of a sudden, somebody is being suspicious of somebody. Then they're calling family for him. They're calling pastor. But meanwhile, somebody has something locked up in his or her mind that no matter how much counseling you do, no matter how much prayer, 
somebody has something that they don't want to talk about because they no longer have trust. So I think it has to do with maturity. People should be able to really sit down. What are you hiding? You know, husband and wife in America, you're the only thing you have. It's not back home that you have um, support system with all the other family people you're going to play and laugh with. So reading emails, people like us, I might, my, my email, I might not even know how to open it. So everybody knows my email. They change the password when I want to go in. I don't even know my password. I'll be asking them, what's the password? So I think that level of transparency is very important because you may not be hiding anything, but somebody may think you're hiding something. So, you know, why are you having boundary for yourself? Like Obi said, if you're one, I can't put boundary on myself. If I'm my husband and I are one when my email or phone comes. So we have to be very understand that some people are really not there, you know, yet, you know. Hallelujah. Not because we're all married. Psychologically, some people are not really matured. Amen. I mean, that's awesome. Listen, I have to, you know, seek permission here before we see what we can carry on. We're supposed to end this this part of it at for at um at um eight forty eight, and it's now eight fifty eight fifty one. Um, Adana, can we carry on for two more questions, or can we now close it down and maybe continue on a different day? I think we can carry on. Why don't you? Why don't you? Time? Okay, keep your time. So, um, so I'm going to have to stop, and um, I'm sorry for people that their arms are hands are raised. We have run out of time, and it was an awesome, awesome, awesome discussion today. I would like us to. Um, you hand of applause, a round of applause to the speakers today, and I'll hand over to our head of ministry, um, Chris Oyechi. Thank you so much. Good job, MC, the moderator. What did they call you? <laughs> they call me Uche. That is, that is my love. It's Hello, my love. Wonderful <laughs> in law I have. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone. Um, our Thursday event continues next week. Um, next week, we're going to talk about love and respect. Um, so please tune in. It's the same information, the same email address, the same, the same Zoom numbers and everything that you use today. Thank you. So we're going to hear the announcement.